Welcome back to At Source, a community conversation that gets to the origin of matters that affect us the most. I'm your host, Kieran Cook, and together we'll be diving into health and wellbeing, gaining useful insights direct from the source. Hannah Malsop is a founder and director of Real Red Food and a former Pilates instructor. She makes plant-based healthy treats, and some of our listeners may remember her collaboration with us at Nature Bee on the limited edition Power Pollen Slices. She's a woman on a mission and has gone from selling her creations at local markets to national supermarkets and has her own online store. What started out as her hobby has now seen her grow to such high demand that her treats are often sold out within hours. Hey, a very warm welcome to you, Hannah. It's great to have you on the At Source podcast. Uh, the sold out was certainly uh, the case with our limited edition Power Pollen Slices. That was such a cool collab that we did with you. They were sold out literally within hours, not to mention they were incredibly tasty. So I managed to get two boxes I wanted to get three, but I couldn't. Um, so, you know, well done on that collab with us. Were you pleased with it, how it went? Yeah, for sure. I mean, Real Red Foods community loves limited edition products. And with the time of year and collaborating collaborating with you guys, it just seemed to hit the right spot with them. So, yeah, absolutely yeah. stoked. What I loved about the slice was it wasn't too sweet. I think that, that bee pollen base was just so yummy and biscuity and it almost had sort of, like it was, it was quite a low sugar kind of delivery. Oh, definitely. And that's the case you'll find with a lot of our slices. You know, there's a lot of raw slices out there that are just riddled, like, it's riddled with dates and it's not really mm. what we want to lean into. So it's nice to have a sweet treat that doesn't make you feel like you've had a kg of dates in the same process. And and great keepers too, like um, those slices we just found stayed in the fridge and stayed really yummy for at least seven days actually. So we got some great longevity out of them. So uh, look, great to connect and um, in a way it would have been quite nice to have had you on the at source a little earlier. (laughs) So uh, better late never as they say, better late than never. So how have you been? Have you been well? Have you been sort of staying healthy? Yeah, definitely well. Things are busy and exciting um, with Real Red Food at the moment, so it's always nice to be in this phase of business. But um, yeah, really good. Life is good here in the Mount. Can't complain. Mm. No, that's right. And it seems like you've got a reasonably good work-life balance as I've been sort of hunting around and finding out a little bit about you, stalking you in the background. It seems like you get into the kitchen early, uh, you're wearing lots of hats in the business, and it looks like you're sort of able now to, after three years, do a little bit of delegation. Um, And I just loved hearing a little bit about your journey. I listened to your Down to Business podcast, which was hosted by Victoria Helms and Sophie Maris. And in that podcast, you talk a little bit about um, how you get started. So maybe just for the sake of our listeners on the At Source podcast, you could take us back and just give us a little bit of a flying start into how you got into business um, at Real Red Foods. Yeah, absolutely. So Real Red Food was actually founded in 2017. So that came off the back of me um, falling in love with plant-based food, but also loving sharing that journey with with a community on social media. So I had grown a little bit of a following just sharing some foods that I was making. And I found that the engagement we were getting on the cake posts and the slices and the raw products was seemed to be a lot higher than um, savoury food. So I was like, 
We're going to niche down. Mm. We're going to create a range of these products, sell them at local markets and try to get them in a number of cafes because at the time I was being employed pretty much by cafes to make this product because there was such a demand for them to have an option in their cabinet um, along those lines. So after that, we... Over the last five years, I suppose, we've gone from being at markets, wholesaling to cafes, which we do now, but also diversifying, having an online website that sends across the country. We also now sell a range of supplements um, and we sell some Red Bull mixes as well. So we have a range of Ambient products that are now available in new world supermarkets across the country, which is really cool and yeah, it's been a wild ride, but it's been cool yeah. that the community and sort of we've been able to expand our product range and be more mm. than just raw cakes, which mm. is what we started as. Yeah. I mean, just a couple of things here. So, I mean, you talk about the value of a side hustle and, look, I couldn't agree with you more. So you just taking you back to when you first started and you talk a lot about community and you talk about um, identifying, I guess, a gap or a need or where the opportunity lay with your work with cafes. You were at university at the time, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's where the side hustle comes in. Um, and you saw an opportunity, and I know that when you first started up, uh, about 50% of your business was sort of with food service, right? Yes. Yeah, so you sort of had this, I guess, this staple or this sort of, you know, bread and butter kind of work with, you know, food service, which would have kind of kept you chugging along. Um, it would have kept, um, I guess, the lights on, and then that more creative piece where you could experiment and have test kitchen and trialing and and things. You probably got to delight that and you know flex that muscle with your direct to consumer um, experience. And I'm just really interested in your relationship with Instagram because um, you know your work on the gram is really great and really colourful, and you talk about Instagram kind of like it's its own beast and you clearly have an affinity with Instagram because I love a comment that you made where you say how I actually am on the gram is just really who I am and so this sort of speaks that speaks to me of sort of authenticity and that you just have this natural flow with Instagram so what is it about Instagram that you just find so easy and so fluid as a channel to actually kind of service the business and and help you to grow yeah I think it's um it's really been like the vessel to grow the company over the past five years. Like it's our home, essentially. It's where we go to to connect with our community. And we, I've done it for such a long time, even before we sort of monetized the business, that it's like a second language to me in some description. And I think the tone of voice of Real Red Food is my tone of voice because it's been my baby for like five years. And it comes very naturally for me to communicate with, our customers. You don't see us saying a post talking about these things and then all of a sudden see us saying something else that's like a little bit different because it's my voice and it would have been incredibly tiring to be showing up in a different way online every single day for five years if it was me trying to be someone different. So Real Red sure. Food is very connected to who I am, I suppose, but in the same way it's been able, we've been able to turn it into a beast of its own that sort of sits out there in the marketplace by itself. But in the early days, you know, I was pulling every single lever to make things happen, whereas now it's cool yeah. to see the brand sort of working out there in itself to make things yeah. happen without so much of me personally having to do yeah. those things. Yeah. I mean, who, who do you think your customers are? Oh, very similar to myself, probably. 
We range from sort of mid-20s to early 30s is our largest market, definitely female-based, which is why you see a lot of pinks coming through our marketing. Um, people that are interested in health, people that are on online a lot and they want to be inspired by things online. Yeah. Can I just ask you, I was interested, you know, your your protein powder, which addresses female hormone balance. Mm. And you talk um, on this particular podcast, Down to Business, about female hormone balance, uh, particularly in relation to young females. And you refer to balance and you talk about getting life balance and balance in and around health and hormone balance. And I'm listening to it and I'm thinking sort of premenopausal myself. I'm thinking, <laughs> what what are you talking about? Like hormone balance. I mean, what are you 20 somethings? What kind of problems do you have in the hormonal balance space? And I'm like, I'm just interested in your thoughts around that because <laughs> certainly not something I was thinking about in my 20s was my hormone balance. Yeah, interesting. So again, like the product was intrinsically related to my experience. And so we developed it because of what I had experienced. And I think being in a community that was in real red food, being in the health food space um, and the surge of veganism also came a surge of people getting quite obsessive with a certain diet. That in turn for myself also led to a lot of restriction around foods and sort of actually not nourishing my body in the way that it needed. I lost my period for a number of years over my time in university and my hormones were just all over the show. And when I shared that on Real Red Food, it became really prevalent that it was a massive um, thing for a lot of females my age. And I think we are in this... um, a society yeah. where everyone's working extremely hard. They're also trying to live up to the idealistic body that we see online. Yeah. And we're also trying to, you know, eat foods that are good for us. And for me, finding balance is so important. And we always want to promote that through Real Red Food as well. Even though we are a health conscious brand, you need to find your own balance. And yeah. also just, you know, skipping breakfast so that you can go to work earlier and work harder isn't what we want to promote. And including yeah. breakfast, protein, and then some of the herbs was a really um, big factor in my journey. And now it's been cool to see how many other lives it's touched. Yeah. And actually with that explanation, I totally get it because you're right. I think there's been some quite disordered eating and thinking um, with this kind of, you know, I call it kind of like an over-clean, kind of over-obsessive approach where it's almost become sort of socially acceptable too, and that's the scary thing about it. It's it's become okay to 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 kind of live and exist in that in that framework um, because there's been this sort of um, you know mental or scientific rationale around it too. So it's sort of just become a little bit more socialized to be like that, as opposed to say people that just didn't eat. Back in my day, people just didn't eat. You know, they became sort of a bit anorexic and just skipped meals. So it's become a little bit more complex, I think, some of that disordered behavior. Um, yeah. Over time. A hundred percent. And like, it's like the first question that you're asked at a restaurant or what's on the menu is like, what are your dietary restrictions? And it's like a really interesting yeah. thing for us to navigate because we are a company that caters to all dietary restrictions. And I'm proud of that. But I mm. also make it something that we prioritize in making sure that people don't think that they have to eat like that all the time. Because I know where I was when I was 
putting all of these restrictions around myself and I know what that did to my health. And, you know, you know we're at, in the first years of me starting Real Rad Food, I was the unhealthiest I've ever been. But I'm, like, in this health food company and I just remember, like, in the evening one night just being like, oh, my gosh, I'm a phony because I'm, I, yeah. yeah, I'm a small person, but, like, yeah. Then I, I don't have my period. I'm constantly yeah. tired. I work so yeah. hard. What are my relationships like with my friends and family? Like I was just like, something's got to change. And that's when that sort of next step of the business started. Mm, and I think that was a really kind of brave admission and a really, I thought that was a really smart realisation that you shared on that podcast where you sort of said that people get lost in this sort of the heroic nature of burning the candle at both ends and, you know, working seven days. And then you sort of said, heck, you know, I'm in a health business. And I had to completely reframe that. And I thought for a young person, having that realisation in your 20s is actually really amazing because, you know, I know people my age that still skite about working 60-hour weeks. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I think you've done pretty well actually recognising that at 20-something. Um, okay, so let's just talk about the success metric because um, I was really, I was actually really impressed, and I have to say this is something that I can also relate to, is around work ethic. And you, you say work ethic is everything, and those were your words. And you talked about having a really strong work ethic when you worked at the cafe and you worked at the university and you said it pays off, um, and you said keep your ears and your eyes open. And I really liked that um, because I couldn't agree more, actually. I think it doesn't matter what you put your hand to, right? Um, if you put your hand to it at, you know, at 100%, you know, you, something's going to stick, right? Mm. Um, so I guess, you know, it isn't surprising that something's kind of landed for you. Um, so just in terms of, you know, being successful, do you think that your hard work ethic has kind of meant or realised real rad food success? Or do you think it's been because you've had, you know, good mentors and people around you that have um, helped to sort of, I know you haven't come from necessarily, you've sort of expressed in, in previous podcasts that you haven't come from a, really a particularly entrepreneurial background. So it's not like necessarily those seeds were sown at a young age around the dinner table, but do you think there's some cofactors along the way that have shaped you or do you think it's just your, you know, your absolute focus and hard work and energy that's paid off? Yeah, I, yeah, I definitely didn't come from like an entrepreneurial family, but um, I think it's, it's, I'm so deterred. I can like laser focus on things, whether that be training for a marathon what do like I can just I can I'm quite type A in that type in that aspect yeah. I suppose and I yeah. have just been determined and uh, determined to succeed in this business and passionate about what we're doing what we're doing that it's come pretty easy for me to make sacrifices along the way. Um, I've had like a few mentors along the way, but I wouldn't say that that's been a massive factor in sort of what we've been able to do. I know my customer and I like to create new and exciting things to get them excited and get them to fall in love with the brand. And because I love it so much, I suppose that that dedication part of it comes easy. But, you know, passion, it's, it's, it comes and goes. And you've got to be, you've got to have that commitment to what you're doing in order to, you know, go through the shitty season, excuse my yeah. French, and yeah. enjoy the good ones because yeah. there's going to be a mix of I both. Know. Yeah, it's a bit of a ride, isn't it? Yeah. 
Yeah. Totally. Yeah, that that's right. And I think, you know, you rightly pointed out that there's going to be sort of highs and lows and you've just got to stick at it. Um, and I think you're, you're also really honest about the things that you're naturally um, able to put your hand to in business and then recognising that there are things that you're not so sort of great at and kind of moving those things over to people that do those things better. Um, you do talk about that a bit. Um, yeah, and you're still kind of agree with that that's sort yeah. of where you're coming from oh definitely like we um success is so often people ask me how many staff members do you have and I've voiced before how my distaste for that question because um your staff members don't exactly define your scalability or your the success yeah. of a company but we have been able to over the years have a really good balance between employing people handing over certain tasks to people but still ensuring that the company is doing what it wants to do in terms of we more so hand like giveaway manufacturing I don't envision us having a really big team of humans in-house we have a small team that focuses on marketing brand production of frozen goods and then everything else is handed over to a third-party yeah. manufacturer so that's how yeah. we hand over those sorts of things um and then that just means that we can stick to our genius in-house which is you know yeah. doing what we do with brand yeah yeah I mean I think that's sort of quite nimble and it kind of I think that's sort of got some smartness about it um it also means that you can kind of keep your operations a little bit more light touch and you don't need that capital investment mm. necessarily in some of that big stuff, right? Oh, totally. Yeah. We, you know, I, I started Real Red Food with $5,000 and yeah. we're now... <laughs> I saw that. Yeah, we're yeah. five, six years old nearly with no debt or investment at all. Yeah. Brilliant. And you and you sort of, I like the way you sort of shaped up how you grew. You talk about sustainable growth. Do you want to talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, well, I, I was, I'm not the type of business owner to, well, we just didn't grow in the way that we needed to scale massively at the start. I wanted to just grow slowly, reach more people over time, enter new markets over time. I didn't want to do it all at once because, to mm. be totally honest, I had no idea what I was doing. So I needed to learn as we went in order to yeah. see those opportunities and make the most of those opportunities. Because, for example, with like foodstuffs, you've got one shot. If mm. you can't meet the order requirements, don't have the systems in place, you're gone and you ain't going to be looked at again for a yeah. long time. So yeah. we, I just wanted to bite off what I could chew because I was driving the ship and doing most yeah. of that stuff. So it, yeah. it sort of forced me into this sustainable or slower growth. But, you know, mm. despite everything that the world's gone through over the past few years, like Real Rad Food is growing every year and we're on track to do so again this year, which is, it's going to be, a tough one for us with what the economy looks like, but one that yeah. we are definitely gunning towards, and that's yeah. what keeps that's what keeps the fire going inside me because it's something really special about real red food, like a robust business model that I hope we can keep. Yeah, do you mind me asking what your growth rate's been? Yeah, so in the early days we were growing by like a hundred percent every year. Mm. We now last year we grew by about thirty, and hopefully on track for like mid twenties this year. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant. Which is yeah, like massive for us as our like revenues yeah. increase pretty exponentially to be able to still grow like yeah. that. Absolutely, it really is. Because obviously as you get bigger, those metrics get harder, right? Yeah. Yeah, and once you get into grocery, I mean, that becomes a volume game. So that gets harder Yeah. to get, you know, to get those growth metrics. Yeah. 
Um, do you have some pretty sort of like heavy hitting, hard hitting, like uh, sell through milestones with foodstuffs? Like you got to hit, you're on the shelf and you got to hit some milestones over six weeks or are they like internally or what they want from us like what they want from you uh that no not really we just went through a really big review process with food stuff so we're in both the baking and the vitamins and nutrition range and we've been able to um come out the other side of that in a pretty strong position which will mean that we'll get like really good distribution through all the north island stores but we are performing pretty well as we are, so we haven't really had to have many hard conversations with them yet. Again, we're a That's small good. supplier though, so we're probably not majorly on their dashboard, but internally we um, do a lot of like financial dashboarding to see where we're, where we're at, yeah. like a lot of budgeting. Um, and like my main role now is I we just hired a marketing manager, which is pretty much what I was doing. So my main role now is more to drive profitability in the business and just make sure that operations and house are good. I do a lot of the logistics and the forecasting mm. and then the financial side. And then we've got Lauren who does our marketing, which is exciting right. because she's even better. Like I'm, yeah. I'm always going to be like the voice and probably the person and of course being creative. And you know and, the business. And NPD yeah. and everything like that. But for someone to come mm. in with, you know, um, like agency background knowledge with di- digital yeah. Digital advertising, paid ads, email marketing yeah. is, is going to be incredible for us. Oh, yeah. yeah. So when did when did she start? Literally on Monday this week. Oh, wow. Wow, you're going to love it. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing so far. It was a good week. So I'd say you're going to have a partner in crime, which is going to be great for you. Yeah. Yeah. Just like lift the lid and, yeah. and try some new things. Yeah, and totally. That's, yeah, that's going to be really epic. Yeah. That's so great. Um, oh, fantastic. Okay, so um, let's talk about intuitive eating because I think that's something that uh, you talk a little bit about. Is this sort of something that you follow or really sort of subscribe to? What does it mean? Well, I mean, to me, like, yes, I would definitely say I'm an intuitive eater. To me, it's eating when you're hungry and stopping when you're full, essentially. There's been times mm. where I haven't honoured when I feel hungry to eat and there's been times Mm. where I'm like why am I still eating when I'm that full so (laughs) I think it's like especially as I've gotten older it's like food is like to me like a a fuel source and it's not something that I'm thinking about all the time and it doesn't need to be like that but definitely in my early 20s it was um quite consuming so I just think like my body knows that it has access to food I honor my hunger and it knows that so when it tells me I'm hungry I eat and then when I'm full I stop eating and I I think it's just been like a beautiful way to mend relationships my relationship with food but also um yeah, yeah. A, and a challenging I mean, one I think, for a lot of people. I, yeah, I mean, I spoke to Michelle Hall, who's like a, a nutrition and eating coach, a food coach, and she talks a lot about emotional eating and she's pretty busy and she works with adults mainly now um, and a lot of really busy corporates and she just talks about, you know, stresses, everyday stresses and busy people, uh, you know, and just how we're stressed and busyness as a global society of busy people that tends to sort of, you know, drive a lot of our eating and we're sort of, we don't, we're not mindfully eating yeah. and we're probably all pretty guilty of, of eating emotionally every day. W- would you sort of agree with that? Definitely. I remember um, speak, I, I spoke with dietitians and everything when I was trying to sort of figure out why I was being the way I was with food. And often I was like rewarding myself with food as opposed yeah. to other things. So it was like, I've had such a big week at work. I deserve to 
And I, and I felt like possibly maybe I'd like been restricting myself through the week and I was like, oh, I've had such a big week. I'm going to like eat this massive dinner tonight, which mm. is like not really, of course, like ha- go out to dinner if you want to go out to dinner, but it shouldn't be your main form of reward. Yeah. But, but it yeah, was she mine. She talks about that too. It was mine yeah. because I was restricting so much. So it was like, yeah. oh, finally, I don't have to be like stressed about not eating too much and I'm just going to mm. let go and that's my yes. reward. Yeah. And it's a bit like that with the cheat meal too. Yeah. It's sort of like, you know, I'm going to have that really naughty meal this week because I've been so good this week. So it's just trying to kind of have, again, that lovely word, that balance word. Yeah. Which we all sort of struggle with is just having a little bit of balance running through our daily week. So that we stop thinking about, you know, what's good, what's bad, what's ugly. Um, So in terms of managing your own kind of mental health and general physical wellness, um, how do you kind of juggle it? Because you're obviously pretty busy. I, 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 I know that you sort of hit the kitchen really early. You do a lot of admin stuff first thing in the morning and you fulfill orders in the morning, don't you? Like all the wholesale orders. Um, and then obviously doing all those logistical and operational things you've just mentioned. When do you sort of get time to look after your mental and physical wellness while you're running the business? Yeah, definitely. So I, um, yeah, I have a very good work-life balance now. So I get often Monday to Wednesday are really intense days for me at work. Um, But the good thing about having a dog is that he needs to be walked and that's like more of a priority than anything to me at the end of the day. Like he needs to be walked and we live so close to the beach. So that is something that I get in my day. I get to put my headphones on, go for a big walk along the beach. It's like a beautiful time for me to Mm. wind down after the day. And then on Thursday and Friday, it's a combination of me doing admin, um, catching up on like any NPD emails that that we're doing or focusing on that week. But then also making sure like my personal life is in check. And I, I think it, because my Monday to Wednesday are so intense, um, a lot gets shoved to the side on those days. Yeah, so ca- having yeah. those days where I'm able to be totally focused at home, working on real red food and then both also on other things means that I'm not super stressed out come the weekend. So I actually get the weekend to reset. But like when I'm at work, I get pulled in so many directions and a lot of my list doesn't get done. Mm. Yeah. So you sort of like, you saying that you sort of tackle that towards the end of the week then? Yeah, but, you know, I make sure that I have make, I try and work out at least like four times a week, but I don't right. put pressure on. There's been times in my life where I felt like I had to be working out seven days a week. So uh, I have yeah. found, again, like a really nice balance with exercise. I, I really like slow exercise. So at the moment I'm just doing mm. Pilates mm-hmm. and a bit of like weightlifting and a nice gym. So not putting stress on myself if I work out three times, like it's fine. Yeah. 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 That's cool. So you've kind of learned some lessons about yourself, it sounds like, along the way, you know, the slowing down part and that it's actually okay. Uh, you you did mention something about, you know, if, if you're feeling tired, don't go and smash yourself on a hit. Take yeah. a walk yeah. in that in that um, Down to Business podcast. And I thought, yeah, I, there's some wisdom in that, you know. I thought, good on you. It's it's actually good. Um, you know, and in terms of, I guess, just advice for young people out there who might be, they might have an entrepreneurial streak or they might want to be a little bit entrepreneurial. What do you reckon you'd say to those people if they're listening and they've got some ideas, but they just don't really know how to execute? Because you, you talk about having... Um, 5k to get going 
Were you gifted that money or did you save that money? It's so long ago now. It was different. It wasn't like gifted to me at the time to start a business, but it possibly could have been like leftover money from my university because I was helped at university with like housing costs and stuff, but I was still yeah. getting my allowance. So I had student yeah. debt. I think it was sort of like student debt that I had to pay back, but yeah. I used it to start the business yeah. and then I Saved paid that debt back. So yeah, that's cool. actually a good tip. Like if you can yeah. at all save any of that university money, yes, you have to pay it back, but it's interest-free. Bank loans, as we all know, yeah. are crazy. Carry interest, yeah. So gra- like get that money and pay it back slowly or as whenever you want over time, but it's like a really good way to get interest-free cash. I know in saying that that living cost is crazy at the moment, so maybe it's yeah. not an option, but back then it kind of was. Yeah, but I mean, there are students whose family do support them. Yeah. Um, some choose to live away from home and other, because they choose to, uh, like my my 20-year-old son has just chosen over the last, you know, eight months or whatever to leave home. He didn't have to, but he chose to. And he's a little bit like you. He's got a, a, a built, you know, a great little business that's yeah. coming along. Um, but, you know... Some choose to, some could stay at home, right? And they could do that. So that's actually sort of a great life hack. Yeah. And um, I guess, you know, some aren't as fortunate. And so yeah. it is a bit tougher to get their hands on 5K. Yeah. Um, but I still think it's amazing because 5K really isn't that much money to seed what you've built. Yeah. So if I suppose if there was a job going, that money could be saved over time. Yeah to seed something that's not and it's finding a business that isn't sort of capitally like that Heavy. intensive as well yeah. that's probably that where the smartness lies as well right yeah and I mean growing we, growing incrementally yeah we started in a shared commercial kitchen space I think we paid a hundred and twenty dollars a week and I yeah. had like a blender I already had like equipment I obviously didn't have equipment that was going to allow us to scale but for that first year we just made yeah. do with what we had. We used chest freezers mm. and then all of a sudden, like, we had some money in the bank. We bought some more equipment. Then all of a sudden mm. we needed more space. So we signed a lease and it just, mm. we just grew slowly. We never mm. bit and off but, more than we could chew. Yeah, but you've got the right attitude because you talk about risking big to win big and you talk about having to move into that bigger space. I think in in your journey, you've had to sort of, like, swallow some risk up because you had to move before you launched into a Christmas season, was that last year? No, we moved or, three years ago into our space. Oh, it was three years back. Yeah, yeah, it was stressful. And you talk about that being a really stressful time. And so I think you've obviously had stages in your growth journey where it hasn't just been this, like, seamless. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, we grow so growing sustainably and it's all very calm. You've probably had a few, you know, periods we've ramped quite quickly. Then you've kind of plateaued a little bit and kept it smooth running and then you're like heck we've got to ramp again we've got to like suck it up spend a bit of money invest here and so you've had a taste of what it's like to kind of make some tough business decisions step out you know grow again you know notch up new level well you know it's it's all about like tipping points and I think there's Mm. definitely been like that whole moving into that new space, I was like a bit naive to the tipping point of where we were. And then all of a sudden, like I should have recognised that it probably just a couple months earlier that this space is not really suitable for us anymore. And then yeah. all of a sudden, like the lady who I was um, 
sort of sharing the kitchen with who was in control of the lease, she was like, this isn't working. And I was like, oh my gosh, yeah, it's totally not working. Like, this is unfair on everyone else in the space because we were just like, it was just all go all the time and it was a bit disruptive. So I was just like, oh my gosh, we've got to find a new space sort of thing. And everything worked out in the end. But those, when she initially said like, this isn't working, I was like, well, what are we going to do? <laughs> like, yeah. But then once yeah. you actually start going through the motions of, you know, finding a space, it's not going to be that bad, finding out all the things you need to know, it was fine. It was, you know, we didn't, we were paying like a little bit more and we had a hundred square meters of a brand mm. new space to ourselves and it allowed us mm. to, yeah, you know, we were very frugal in those and we still are, I suppose. We've got, we mm. have, we run a lean machine and yeah. it meant that we had funds available to like really ramp up our machinery so that we didn't have to employ a whole lot of, you know, human labor. Yeah, yeah, that that's really cool. So I mean, um, if we we sort of go back to that uh, piece of advice for young, you know, young people or people that want to sort of get started for themselves, apart from that sort of finance um, piece, is there any other advice that you'd give in other domains? I think um, a big one for like for me and my. So this, for someone who's in business right now, this would be my piece of advice to always acknowledge the fact that pressure is a privilege because we only feel the pressure because of what we've created and that is such an amazing place to be. Um, so understanding that allows you to push further, challenge more boundaries so that you feel that pressure. I know I work best under pressure and I'm always actually chasing that. So understanding pressure is a privilege as opposed to Pressure is just a constant stress or the constant ringing in the back of my head. And then for someone that isn't in business, I would say that, yeah, it can often look really glamorous. Maybe to you it doesn't look as glamorous, but everyone's on their own journey and you're going to learn so much about business but also about yourself on that journey. It's the greatest thing I've ever done. I, I still can't believe I've been able to do it for my 20s. Like what, yeah. and what a cool thing to be able to experience. And as we've like said in this podcast, like, there's been so many things that I've gone through personally that yeah. the business has taught me. Um, so, mm. you know, the journey is never what you're going to expect it to be, but the destination is always going to be worth it. And I feel like <laughs> yeah. I'm at the destination every day, like living the life that I always wanted to live. Yeah. And also the passion, right? Like at your age, being able to sort of connect with passion and a and fire in the belly. Mm. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, young people still walking around, scratching their head going, totally what do I do now? You know, like I've come out of uni, you touched on that a bit with your geography degree. Yeah. Um, you sort of thought, how am I going to monetize geography? I don't hate it, but I don't really think I'm going to come out and do anything necessarily with it. Mm. Um, so you were able to kind of find it, you know, a new route or a pathway for yourself um, that you kind of were passionate about and you're grateful that you found that passion. And, and I've always said happiness is a great driver. So you have to find something that kind of floats your boat to get you through and, and, and give you a little bit of X factor, right? Yeah, for sure. And like, even yeah. if I was doing something in my geography degree, I'm sure that, you know, the Hannah inside me would have like creeped up and I would have done, Yeah, I would have worked hard or whatever. But um, there's, yeah, the, what I'm doing now is so much more magical than settling mm. for something that I wasn't that into. Yeah. Have you thought, are there any other sort of channels that fire you up, you know, like Instagram does? Anything sort of come to the fore? Are you thinking you'd, you'd sort of move with? What about TikTok? Yeah, yeah, TikTok. 
is an interesting one. There's like not much method to the madness, in my opinion, which I don't love. Like it's very hard to find um, a groove or understand why things are doing well and why things aren't <laughs> doing well. Um, Does it feel random? Does it yeah, feel really random? Like, I feel like I know what works on Instagram. I sort of know our recipe. It's kind of, um, mm. yeah. Whereas with TikTok, like we definitely have like, had a few videos that have gone like amazingly and I'm like, this is so exciting. But then... But why? Yeah, I know. <laughs> so, yeah, we definitely need to move with the times and we will totally continue to use TikTok. But, and to be fair, like Instagram gets on my nerves a little bit too, the amount that it's changing. So... We will see what it looks like, but we'll always be looking to move with where the eyeballs are. And there's been some really interesting studies on um, TikTok versus Instagram. And like, you know, the amount of users growing on TikTok has, like new signups is like astronomical compared to Instagram. And sales. Yep. And sales. Yeah. Like don't underestimate sales from TikTok. Like, yeah, yeah. They're, yeah. they're actually ginormous. Yeah. So basically like, Boomers and Xs like me, Gen Xs like me. Yeah. You just feel like you wouldn't market your slices to people like me because we we kind of live on Facebook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'd buy. I mean, I I buy your slices. Yeah, yeah. So maybe maybe you're missing an avenue. Like maybe you need to like be more visible for like people like me. Yeah, maybe. Because <laughs> I, I I don't really have a huge affinity to Instagram. Yeah. For me, it's sort of like it's pretty pictures. Yeah. But I'm kind of missing copy and context. Yeah, yeah. And, I, you know, one of the things that you said, you know, that I really liked was that you're kind of drawn to food that tugs, you know, on on the heartstrings. And you, you just naturally seem to have, you know, an emotional connection with food, which is why you sort of, you know, bring back old favourites and you say, we've listened, you voted, we listened – and you've got something coming back on Monday. You know, I saw that because I get yeah. some of your feeds, right? Yeah. So you've got this special slice getting released at 10 o'clock coming on Monday. And you have your little minty chocolate, you know, after dinner mint chocolate ball. It's a good old fave. And so you're somebody who understands that people buy with their eyes and people have like an emotional connection to food. And I think that's really smart. And I think that there are some other channels like, you know, old faves like Facebook that where you can actually kind of weave the copy in and the messaging in. Oh, and, yeah, and, sure. You know, be a little, you know, be a little bit emotional too with some of that messaging. Um, yeah, so, yeah, thanks for that entrepreneurial advice. Um, that's really interesting. And I think there's, you know, the nice thing about New Zealand is we're small enough to be kind of on the grid, on the on the map. Oh, right. There are some countries where that might be a lot harder and a lot more expensive, right, to self-start. Yeah, it's an interesting one because I always sort of view it like I prefer to sort of be a small fish in a big pond. Like you've got so much, I guess, opportunity there to reach so many more people. But in saying that, being in New Zealand, we're, we're so lucky that we can, I guess, harness that potential of New Zealand like a lot easier. Like um, we're, we're definitely considered a small business and um, we've... I guess, had a pretty big impact over the last yeah. five years, which has been cool yeah. and, like, rewarding um, in the same way. And I guess that gives you an opportunity to take those learnings to another country. Like, let's look at exactly. Fix, Fix and Fog. Like, they did so well in the New Zealand market, pretty much took that over to the States and are doing the exact same thing there and are just crushing it. So, yeah. Well, you, you've you got some export goals, don't you? 
Yeah, I mean, we do. They're not a massive priority right now. I think there's still a lot of work to do in New Zealand for us, especially in like the FMCG space. But yeah. we would love to um, give Australia, Australia a crack and like, you mm. know, the Woolworths over there and that sort of thing. We just need a, a little bit more data behind us in, able, in yeah. order for us to approach. So would that be in the frozen in the frozen um, uh, No, it would be our supplements and the mixes going into oh, supermarkets. The, like the protein powders yeah. and things? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. That's um, That would be great, actually. I mean, it's a huge market, right? Yeah. So you'd have to be really ramping in that volume space. Yeah. 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 Um, I was just going to ask you just before we close out uh, – you know, a, a couple of last questions. What do you think's been, you know, unique about starting your business so young? I mean, do you think there's been some, um, do you think like you're more nimble because you're young, you can be more agile, for example, like are there benefits, do you think? Oh, mm. yeah. Like you definitely don't have the risk that many older people would with mm. the amount of, you know, dependence. I, you know, I started the business with no mortgage. I didn't have any children. Mm. It was just me putting my entire life into this company. And that was, mm. you know, a real, I guess, it was a really good thing for the business because it had everything of me. It still kind of does have everything of me. Um, mm. Also, being younger and naive to things that can go wrong in a business was probably a good thing because <laughs> a lot goes wrong. You never think stuff. You're a bit more cynical <laughs> as you get older around, you know, what can go wrong. So that was a good thing too. I just went into it blind and I just knew that I had to sort of make around, you know, $300 a week profit in order to afford my rent and some food and I'd be sweet. Whereas now... Oh my goodness, uh, it's a lot scarier to be doing something yeah. like that now. That's right. And I was just thinking too that your age and stage, I mean, your affinity with social media, the timing of that, yeah. sort of really intuitive and really great too. I was just uh, having a quick look, you know, your Instagram page, you've got a pretty, I mean, I'd almost call it a cult following. You've got 25, just over 25,000 people following you right on Instagram at the moment. Is that right? Sound about it's right? It's actually 43 on Instagram. Wow. So that's ramped. Since um since that one was printed and then with <laughs> Facebook yeah that's that's doubled and then Facebook um how many likes have you got now on Facebook do you know? I actually don't know see I we share everything we share on Instagram and Facebook but I'm never looking at what yeah we so have. I mean this this article which has come out of um Idealogue is saying over four thousand one hundred likes but I mean that was actually yeah that was that was uh, this month this article in uh, really? 2022, so it's probably pretty current. So I would say you've got over just over 4,100 likes. So, I mean, you do have a really good, solid social following, and I think your affinity with social media is, you know, it's timely. It's set you up. You know, you're a young person who sort of understands the, I guess, the ebbs and flows of social, or the potential of social, the storytelling components of yeah. social uh, the power of social. I think that's got you really well placed to, to grow the business. Um, and I think that's going to, you know, bode really well for you. Um, I, the last question was really just around innovation and R&D. How much time are you spending on new product development and sort of test kitchen work in the business? Um, yeah, we a whole lot more time goes into the developing of supplements so we've normally always got one supplement that's like in development but right. that that development process is often a year long like it's a long yeah. time um and then 
with the slices, we look to release about four new slices every year, but that is just, you know, a week in the kitchen of playing around with things, finalising a recipe and then that, because we pretty much know the base formulation and then we just mm. flavour things differently. Um, yeah. So, yeah, NPD can take really long time and it can also be we can, you know, figure out a new slice recipe in the space of a couple hours. Yeah, so like what you did with us at Nature B, you would do that like times four over the year? Yeah, pretty much. Generally? Yeah. Yeah, you do that four times with another company, a collab, and then your own sort of R&D could take up to 12 months working the with a dietitian or a yeah, scientist totally. or so, yeah. Oh, yeah, something like that. And and do you find that financially that's quite exhaustive? Uh, yes. Quite expensive? Yes. Yeah. But so yeah. important to get right. You'd like, yeah. you're selling, you, you want these supplements to work and the dosage needs mm. to be correct and it also mm. not needs to not do, do what you want it to do. It needs to taste good. You know, mm. flavouring these herbs is I a very know. difficult thing. And um, yeah. The supply chain? Supply chain's pretty challenging at the moment. Great. Like we can be waiting mm. four months for our ingredients to come in, t- packaging another six. Sometimes it's, um, and then we can't even order packaging until we've finalised the formulation and, and then you wait on the side. It's, yeah, it's a long process. And yeah, then so I change things all months. the time. Yeah. Yeah. So it's easily, it's easily 12 months. And, and are you finding that it, the cost control around that MPD is about uh, like easy or are you feeling like they're blowing out, those costs are blowing out for you? Like the price of the good or the price of the MPD? Just the, the MPD, just like um, what you yeah. forecast. It is, uh, yeah, the one that we're developing right now, it's starting to get pretty up there. And so I'm just like, okay, let's leave the formulation here. I think this is where it needs to be. But I, I'm like quite a perfectionist. I feel like everything can always be better, but sometimes it's best to just say, yeah. this is good. Let's go with it. We've this. arrived. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's great. I mean, I've just loved the glimpse inside your business and just getting to kind of understand it a little bit more, I guess, from the sort of logistics, the sort of the the psychology where you've come from, you know, I guess as a self-starter, the learnings, the, the journey, you know, the innovation, the um, the marketing speak and some of the learnings there. And um, I'm just going to watch with interest where you yeah. go from here. I mean, you've obviously got some, you've shared some really neat goals in the future and where you want to be, pushing out to Aussie and expanding and growing in that FMCG space. And um, it's just been such a pleasure, ch- you know, chatting and catching up, Hannah. No, thank thanks you for having much. me and thank you for thanks your support. For your time. Yeah, yeah it's been lovely. And thanks again for the collab with Nature Bee. The, the slices were yum. Yeah, good. absolutely delicious. Thanks for all your innovation and hard work too for no us. No worries. Thank you. For we loved it. So, uh, yeah, we'll stay in touch. Thanks yeah, so much. Absolutely. Okay, have a great day. Okay, you too. Thanks. Bye. Thank you for tuning in. The Ad Source Podcast has a community of over 5,000 listeners worldwide and we would love to hear from you. If you would like to support the show, please give us a rating and review or get in touch via email in the show notes to give us feedback or just say hi. Are you looking for a superfood to get your health back on track? Look no further. Nature Bee's Power Pollen Capsules are filled with 100% potentiated bee pollen to help support sustained energy, your body's natural immunity, your mental alertness, sleep quality and digestion. If you are looking for overall support for your health and well-being, try Power Pollen today. Head over to naturebee.com to find out more. At Source Podcast does not accept any liability for the results of any actions taken or not taken upon the basis of information in this podcast or for any errors or omissions. Those acting upon information do so entirely at their own risk.
We recommend that you seek professional assistance from certified doctors for your health and wellbeing issues.